Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, Andy and I are headed back to the mailbag. We got a great question this week from a hospital who is getting ready to promote elite CSR from within their team. You might be thinking, Stephanie, this doesn't sound like a problem. This sounds like a great solution. In fact, it is. It also creates some problems because this practice had multiple team members who were interested in the position, had some qualifications, and stepped forward to say, I would like to throw my name into the ring. So this practice looked at everybody, they did their interview process, and now they have chosen their candidate who they think would be the best fit for the job. And they are wondering, how do we go about setting this person up for success? And how do we go about telling the people who don't get the job that they're not getting it? and keep the peace. Great set of questions. Super excited to dive into this one. Let's get into it, shall we? And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke and Stephanie. You're the one that I want. Ooh, 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 goss. I think I I nailed that. I think I nailed that one. You did nail that. That was... (laughs) That was, uh, uh, that was great. I'm still irritated with you, but that was great. Uh, that was all there. <laughs> I, yeah, I did the old. Uh, we're Are not, you ready? Yes, I'm ready. ready. We're no, not, no, I'm we're not just, actually no, no, ready. I, let's go. <laughs> it was it was 100% that. Yeah. Oh, you're killing me. How's oh, it going? Man. It's it's good. It is. Uh, it is really good. Uh, it's really, really, really good. Guess <laughs> what? Are you trying to convince yourself that it's really good? Because no. that's what that sounds like. <laughs> no, something wonderful is settling in my brain. Mm. I was looking at our podcast numbers oh, yeah? just a moment ago, and we have a million plays on the Kona Shame podcast. Stop it. We hit a million plays. A that million is... people have downloaded the other podcast uh, onto their phones, and that we is... have about 950,000 uncharted plays that is amazing that means we're about to hit two million plays between the two podcasts that uncharted runs all right people listen up here's your job we need we need fifty thousand downloads (laughs) (laughs) start start sending episodes to your friends (laughs) um oh my gosh that's amazing I, I, it's hard to like, honestly, if you stop and think about like a million people listen to that podcast and like a million people almost have listened to this podcast, that's incredible. But yeah, I just, I just recognize it. I don't, I don't look at the numbers a whole lot because you know, I don't know. At some point you're doing like, you do a good job and you do what you enjoy doing and you should check, you should check the numbers enough to make sure that you're on course but living, you know, living in there and looking at numbers all the time and wondering why people listen to to one thing and not other things, that's not healthy. It's like it's like posting things on Instagram and like watching the likes come in. You go, yeah. this is no way to live. Well, it's still surreal to me, a, a that that people listen to you and I have conversations <laughs> conversations every every week. I mean, when I think about getting to a million plays with Uncharted, like they're in the back of my head, I'm like, is this just Patty listening to us and recording yeah. every like downloading every episode like a hundred <laughs> yeah. times? For those of you who are new, Patty's my mom, and she was yeah. our first loyal listener. <laughs> she was. She was the first subscriber that we had. The first dozen uh, <laughs> plays all came from Patty. But like seriously, uh, you know, like there there is a part of me and it's it's funny. It never I don't think it will ever go away for me. Um, I think it's a, a little by like imposter syndrome is a real thing. But every time you and I go somewhere and people are like, oh, my gosh, I listen to the podcast. Like it is it is a very amazing and humbling experience yeah. for me every time. But also like I really I appreciate that because it's still, I mean, I love what we do and it really just feels like you and I having a conversation in your basement. <laughs> yeah. not, you know, it doesn't oh, yeah. feel or like your closet. Like, yeah. It's We're like sitting in my like closet. You having and me a conversation. together in your closet is how it feels. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Um, I am excited about this week's episode because we have a mailbag conversation. Speaking of people giving us nice compliments, uh, we Hi. have a ma- mailbag conversation this week, and it started off with them saying, uh, "Thank you for so much for what you do on yeah, the which podcast." Is a, which is a pro tip. Like, if you want to get on the podcast, if you write us and tell us Shut that we're up. great at the beginning, <laughs> that's probably going to get on. No, 
But it's funny because I get this more than I more than any other feedback. Um, I get this from people, and it is there is I'm always amazed at the timing. The episodes just always seem to coincide with conversations. Uh, and and I've had people tell me, you know how you always say, I'm going to wonder, are they talking about my practice? <laughs> and I say that because it's a real thing. And I also tell people, it's funny to me how many times you and I have something that is planned because of a mailbag conversation. And when we get to recording that episode, I can see parallels in our own business at Uncharted, or I can see parallels mm-hmm. in our community or in my personal life. And it's amazing to me how many times we talk about something and I'm like, oh, I really needed to actually hear that <laughs> as we were yeah. t- as we were talking about it. And so uh, they gave us that feedback. And so thank you for saying that. And I, I recognize that because it happens to us too. But this was, a, this was a mailbag conversation about a situation that is occurring in a clinic where they are they have a, an opening for a floor lead position in their practice. And so they have multiple people on the team who have expressed interest in stepping up into a larger role, into a leadership role. And um, they have been working on developing multiple people and mentoring multiple people within the practice to try and grow them into leadership. And so up until this point, like there was no clear front runner. They all were doing a good job and they were trying to figure out like who might be the best fit for this. And so they're at the point where they have to make a decision and one person has kind of started to stand out as I think this would be the best fit and the person that we could coach uh, to to the best to be in this in this role. And uh, they are like, OK, now that we've identified who that person is, I don't want to upset or hurt the other people who have expressed interest because they're all a part of the team. And so their ask was, how do I how do I approach this diplomatically, um, both in terms of telling the person who we're going to offer the position to, but also telling the others that they are not getting the position because it feels very different than when you hire from the outside. You can just tell anybody like, hey, you know, we went with another candidate and here's why. And they were like, it feels different when it's internal. And so how do we manage this? It is. It is different when it's internal. It's, it's <laughs> very, very different. It is. This is this is really hard. And I, you know, I, we always, I always try to take mailbag questions where they are and go from there and not be like, if we could go back in time, how would it, you know, right. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say here, if you're thinking about something like this and you're considering having multiple people inside kind of go towards a role, um, who you should be really intentional, really intentional about how you communicate and what you communicate because it can be a real um it can be very very challenging to get multiple people inside your clinic excited about a role and then give it to one of them and not the others and have those people who didn't get it continue to feel appreciated and engaged it's just there's a high risk that those people are going to be angry or or be embarrassed because they feel like they competed and were less than. Yeah. And again, we don't want those emotions, but I think we can all imagine how we might feel those emotions. You know what I mean? It's, it's not hard to empathize. And so whenever we start this process, the best thing is to have a lot of thoughts about what are we going to say and how are we going to say it and uh, and how we set clear expectations before we get started. Because once you're in it, it can be really hard to get out. Uh, that's so funny because <laughs> that was at the very top of my action uh, item list was if you could go back in time and do this over, here's some, th- here's, here's some things to think about just in case. Maybe they already thought about them and maybe they don't apply in this situation. But definitely uh, I have something like that at the top of my list. And also yeah. I was th- thinking about like headspace and how do we like how do we get into headspace about this? And you just said the, th- the three things uh, that I thought of, which are like I think it would be impossible to look at this situation and not expect that there would be emotions because yeah. it, it it is a personal, right? It is personal professional development for each person. And so there will be some sort of emotion from each person. And the reality is that there could be hurt emotions that, that come up because disappointment, anger, frustration, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just feeling 
feeling uh, unappreciated, all the things that you were talking about. And so recognizing the fact that there will probably be emotions. And so from a leader perspective, I think it's really important to get into the headspace of, and you said it, empathy is critical here. And it's important to approach the conversations when you have them with empathy, because the reality is we're all human and it sucks to hear that you, uh, you know, uh, you didn't like you didn't I hate to use the word win, right? But like you didn't you yeah. didn't get the thing that you wanted and that's that's that sucks and everybody's yeah. going to process that differently. Well, it's at some point it really does feel like you wanted a thing and you went for it and someone else got it. And so it shouldn't feel like they won and you lost. Right. But it's really hard not to feel that way. Yeah. This is a delicate so headspace I'm with you. This is a delicate situation. I think why people take it so hard is really important to think about because that is the path Yes. to trying to manage this. Yes. And so the reasons Same. that people really take it hard, I think, is they uh, they get their self-worth tied up in this idea of I my value is not as high as this other person's value, and that's why I did not get picked for this thing. And their self-identity, they see themselves as uh, either the person who didn't win or they believe that they are a leader and they don't have a leadership role and that bothers them or they see themselves as being the the boss and that's now not true and that's there's incongruence there between how they see themselves or how they've come to see themselves or the ideal version of themselves and what's true and so that that self-identity is a problem uh there's there's a thing about titles and this definitely ties into self-worth where some people take titles really seriously and stephanie's laughing really hard because we i rant (laughs) about this a lot sounds familiar (laughs) some people get i so here's my thing i I don't care about titles. I don't. I care about the work that people do and how they treat other people. That said, I have come to understand very clearly <laughs> that other people Andy. do care about titles. Yeah. And and it means a lot to them. And so I again, I think that titles I think they interface with people's self-confidence in sure. a big way where people are like, if I had this title, I would be confident. I think they interface with self-worth of like, I am, I have, I've risen to this place or I have performed at this level or I have this, this internal value. Um, but, but titles really manage, uh, matter to people and people can get kind of tied up in them. And the last thing is uh, a piece of advice that my old mentor used to give me. He would always say to me, Andy, don't fall in love with the idea. And and that was a, a bad habit that I have. I've gotten a lot, lot better. I've gotten a lot, lot better. This is an area I think I've really grown. But I used to get an idea and just fall passionately in love with the idea. You know, the idea that I'm going to get this job or I'm going to do this thing yep. or I'm going to go and work at this place. And I would love that idea. And then as the idea, as more facts about the opportunity came to light, I was unable to see them clearly because I had romanticized this and, and decided this is what I must do. Yeah. And 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 if I if I had not done that, I could have looked more clear eyed and said, wait a second, this deal's getting worse by the minute. You know what I mean? And, and, and I'm going to play. And I, you know, I, I would say I got a lot better. I'd like to think I got a lot better because I got wiser. The thing, the truth is I got beaten up a lot. Uh, You know what I mean? I took, I had a lot of scars and, you know, and bruises from falling in love with an idea and taking a beating that I could have avoided had I been less emotionally attached and more clear eyed about what I was walking into. Um, and that's just that's just life lesson. But um, but I do think a lot of times when you have things like this, people can fall in love with the idea. It's funny. You can take people who didn't give a crap about being the team lead and talk to them about their potential and the opportunity that's there. And you can get them to fall in love with it and be devastated about a thing that they never thought about before. Yes. And didn't even yes. really want when you first told them about it. But yes. but people can come to to love this and then it really is this sort of emotional letdown breakup sort of thing and so I, those are all the big things for me when we talk about this really is delicate we, we need to empathize okay. you know the the this the second part of headspace for me that i really want to get into is um is this idea that i just want to call out and again, i don't know if this is true here but a lot of us 
crystallize roles and jobs in our mind, which means uh, we had a head front desk person. Her name was Stephanie, and she was amazing. And these were all the things that she did. And now Stephanie has left. She's gone on to other places. Uh, she took a job with the CIA. She's undercover in Russia. She's doing things <laughs> that I'm not allowed to talk about anymore. But she just trust Fair. me when I say, Wow. Okay. okay. Um, so Stephanie has gone on. She's knowing the, the, the lead of the front desk. She's doing those other things. Well, there is this innate um, bias. It's just this bias that we have that I need to find a replacement for Stephanie. Like right. That's what I need is a replacement for yes. Stephanie. And it comes from this desire that we have to, to keep control and to keep consistency, right? Uh -huh. And so we're like, I need a clone of Stephanie to step into Stephanie's role. Yeah. And I see so many practices do that. They're like, this is the role. We made it for this person. That person is no longer here. And now so we we're going to take someone who's not that person yep. and we're going to shoehorn them into the role that we created for someone else. Yep. And we're going to wonder why they're never as good as Stephanie was. And I just want to call that out up front and say, just because you have had one team lead in the past, or just because this was the job description of the team lead in the past, that does not necessarily mean that you need to have one team lead or that the, the team lead job description that you had for the last person needs to be what you apply to the new person. Mm -hmm. It is 100% inbounds, legal, and possible for you to look at the people that you were grooming and think about what a new system might look like that leverages the talent that you have. Because right. I guarantee you, the three people you're looking at, they're not all the same. They right. have different strengths and they probably have different interests. Yep. And it may be possible to put all of them into positions to really shine. And this is just something that I have done again and again and again in my career. And, and this, and you can see how this links up with my not caring that much about titles because I don't really care about titles. I really care about people kicking butt and taking names. And so I'm much more open to say, you know what? We don't have a team lead in this case. We have co-leads and they have different responsibilities based on their strengths and interests. And this is how our co-leads function. And yeah, it's not as clean as saying this is the job description and it was a job description is always going to be. However, if you are able to manage it and willing to manage it, I do think this is a path to really grow people. And it's also going to let people really shine with their own strengths. The downside is it means that your team is going to change because the team lead doesn't mean what it meant a year ago. Right. It's a different position now, and you're going to have to kind of get people along and on board. So it, it takes more finesse and team leadership to have this, but the upsides to it is you can really engage more people and you can engage people specifically in the ways that they that they shine. And if you set people up so they're doing things that they like to do and that they that they do well at, they tend to stick around and they tend to continue to grow. And so anyway, I just I'm not saying that's what should happen, but I'm saying don't get caught in the crystallized idea that uh, there's a glass slipper that the last person wore and I need someone else who can fit this exact glass slipper. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I, I agree with you and my thoughts on that piece have to do with uh, the, the, action, the action plan for sure. Okay, and the last thing I'm just gonna say is if you can, as much as you can, and this is hard, but as much as you can, Start with the end in mind. Like, what does this successful job applicant look like? What do they look like when they are installed into the role and they are comfortable and, you know, and onboarded and just they like when they are thriving in the role? What does that look like? Yes. Because if you know what that look like looks like, one, it will help you making your selection of candidates, but two, it will so it'll help you making your selection of candidates. It will help you with your interview process because you know a lot more clearly what you're looking for and what's going to be important. And then the last part is it's going to help you with your onboard and training because you're going to say, I see who this person is. And I also see the idealized version of the role. And now I can take the delta between those two things break it up into steps and make a training program that makes sense where I can intentionally get this person from where he is 
to where I want him to be. And I can put it on the calendar so I don't feel overwhelmed, but I can march this person from point A to point B, which is up and fully functioning. I can do that in a very intentional way. But in order to do that, you have to know what done looks like, what what the uh, the outcome you want looks like. And I would be honest and say, it's often really hard to do that. Do your best. Um, how about we take uh, a break because you're like you're speaking my uh, nerd language here and I want to talk about if we could rewind history, like where do we start? Uh, because what you were just talking about ties to my first action step thought, uh, which has to do with job descriptions. Do you want to take a quick break and then come back and talk about action steps? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's do um, let's let's take a break and then we'll do action steps. We'll do action steps if we could go back in time. We'll do action steps for how um, do we actually do the thing? How do we have how the do, conversation? Yeah, how do we do the thing? And then what I'd like, <laughs> I got a little bit on how do we take the person who we chose and get them plugged in in the best way possible as well. So, so we got three different sort of clumps of action steps. So let's do, let's take a break and let's get back and get into it. Sounds good. Hey friends, when's the last time you headed over to unchartedvet.com forward slash events to see what we've got coming? If it's been a hot minute, you might want to head over there because there is a lot happening. We've got a great workshop coming up uh, in April, April 8th, to be precise, from my friend and colleague, Ron Sosa, CVPM. Ron is a certified veterinary practice manager. He's also a former practice owner. He is neurodivergent, and he is bringing his story to the stage to talk about neurodiversity in our teams and how do we tap into those superpowers. That is happening. We've also are just a few short weeks away from our April live event conference Greenville, South Carolina. If you have been thinking about coming to join us for an event, this one would be the one to come and join us for. I am super, super excited to see everybody. It is happening April 20th through the 22nd in Greenville, and there's still time for you to sign up, plus more. We've got tons of workshops coming this spring, and you can find all of it at unchartedvet.com forward slash events. And now, back to the podcast. Okay, so uh, we, <laughs> I'm like biting my tongue, sitting on my hands to not jump into the action steps <laughs> the last 10 minutes because <laughs> I was like, there's not a lot of headspace here for me beyond the emotions. Okay, so if we could rewind and go back in time and say, how do we set, like, this is our imaginary, imaginary practice, like, how do we set ourselves up for success action step wise? The first thing for me has to do with what um, some of what you were just talking about, about the clarity. And for me, it is about the end in mind. What is the actual job description? And sometimes, like you were talking about in the earlier part of the episode, when you have a shift, when you have a change, and Stephanie from... <laughs> the lead CSR uh, goes to work for the CIA and is now doing top secret things yep. in Russia. Uh, like when that happens, do you, what is the role? Like, what is the job? Is the job Stephanie was doing the job that Stephanie was doing because it played to her strengths or is it the job that we actually needed being done? And so for me, the first step is what is the actual job description? What do we need to have happen? And this can be an opportunity to, to redefine and shake things up and you you know we ha we experienced th that as a as a team where we had someone who was uh doing a job and they did their job really really well and when they left the team it gave us a good opportunity to say do we need to keep doing the job the way the excellent way that this person was doing their job or do we have a growth opportunity here and are there things that we also need done that would be better suited to a different candidate and let's look at the candidates and evaluate the job that we think that we need now compared to the candidates versus trying to find someone to fill that person's shoes. Yeah. Th you know, thank you for saying that. Cause I, cause I think that's exactly true. Um, that hire was really, really hard. Yeah. And it was really, really hard. And, and it was because, and this steps back to before the break, when I was talking about trying to see the end in mind, I really, really tried to hard to see the end in mind. And so, what I really looked at then is we had this really high performing, awesome rock star who had other, another opportunity and they, they needed to take it and they did need to take it. And, and so they went on. And so we had this hole and I will tell you my immediate knee jerk reaction was we need to fill that hole. Uh -huh. But, but as I sat with it, I really pushed myself and said, okay, stop. Let's look at, at what all this person was doing. And then let's look at 
what else we want to do as a company and other opportunities that we have and let's lay them all on the table and so i would say before you make the job description you should come up with all the things you want to accomplish and then you those things are what make up the job description because i think if you just say we're starting with a job description you know of what the last person had you've already boxed yourself into the past in in, in yes. some way and it yes. may be 100 percent that you say nope we don't have anything else that we want to do and this, this is, is what job. we need to do and this is just the job yeah but you should at least have that check so for us we were growing rapidly and it became apparent that i could either try to find someone who had the same skill sets as this other person who honestly was a unicorn like it's it was it was a unicorn to find another person who had this exact skill sets or i could say let's step back and look at what we're trying to accomplish and how our company is growing and it might be that we're going to add these new things into the mix and shift them around and we're going to have two new jobs right and they're you know what i mean and they're each going to be part of what the other person did plus new things and that's ultimately what we ended up doing and it it really it opened up our ability to hire other people you know to bring people in stuff like that but um but that was very challenging to try to get my head around and lay out but it it ultimately it was so so worth the effort of of getting out of my head about what it meant to have that job yeah and say let's let's stop about what the job is let's talk about what we need and then figure out how how to take those needs and turn them into jobs and we ended up making two jobs And, and but it worked really really well and i I have been so happy with the people that we brought on and they have really flourished. And I feel like we got people into, into places where their strengths are really on display. But yeah, I completely agree with you sort of going back in time and, and laying these things out. Well, and I think like, um, in, in our, in our experience, you know, as a, as a company, the person who was on our team, like they had strengths in editing and journalism. And at the time that they joined the team, that was the strength and the skill set that we needed. Yes. And then they grew on, they grew and took on other stretch roles and started doing other things because they could do it and because we needed those holes filled. That doesn't mean that that was what the job meant to be. And so in that process of evaluating it, we also had the opportunity to look at their feedback of, hey, these are the things that are problematic and that we maybe we could, like when we look at it in depth, say, oh, hey, we want to go in this place, in this direction as a company. And here's here's an opportunity to use this feedback and say, oh, well, we were filling this role in this way because this person had a skill set. Sure. But we could open our minds. And to your point, like maybe we have two jobs. Maybe we still need somebody who has editorial talent. Maybe we also need somebody who can do business pieces, right? Because that was part of the stretch role. They went together because somebody stepped up and said, I'll do the thing. Like I've been in that role and I'll talk about myself. Like at CSR, Stephanie, like I love teaching. It was a huge passion for me. And so when I was at the front desk, I did a lot of educational stuff for our clients and I was in charge of not really the marketing piece, but like I created our bulletin board displays in the lobby for all of our marketing months and did wrote client education pieces for our newsletter. Does my lead CSR need to do all of that? No, we we made that a portion of my job because I loved it and I was passionate about it. But at the end of the day, like, do I need the person in that specific role to fill that hole? I don't. Somebody else from the team might step up or maybe we decide that we don't need to keep doing it because it's not as important of a part of our business as it once was. But it is an opportunity to look at all of those things through a clear lens versus through the lens in the moment of this yeah. is this is the this is the past these are the decisions we made and why we made them and look at it from a from a fresh perspective and so i think if i could if i could have a magic wand and rewind time for this clinic i would say what is it that you actually need like what yeah. is the job um and the reason that i start with the job description like what is it that this role is actually going to be has to do with all of the things we all we just talked about but it also for me has to do with helping make the decision because the details of what we're looking for and why we're looking for it really matter. And that can help you with avoiding 
discrimination and biases in the selection process. And so if you don't already have a job description, if you're just like, well, we know we need somebody to lead, but you don't have a clear idea of what that actually means and the job that they're going to be asked to do, you have to start there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I do agree with that. I, I think that that's really important as far as, you know, giving people opportunities and, and getting candidates that aren't the candidates you you immediately think of uh, and a, a chance to shine. I, I think that's really important. We definitely have to get there. I, I think um, you kind of you kind of reminded me of it. Uh, you know, think about all the jobs that you've had that started out as a clear job. And then they just metastasized <laughs> as people were like, hey, we need somebody to run the, you know, the. <laughs> to run the snack room you know like what and like hey does anybody know how to do this thing with the graphic design software and you're like i, I mean i i mean i can do it and so now you've got this strange accounting slash hr slash public relations job and you're like, like, let's be honest about how people's jobs happen. They, yes. It wasn't that strategic when you built it. No. And to now act like it's this is what it has to be. I'm like, you have the weirdest hodgepodge of jobs stuffed together. And it's because that's what Stephanie, who went to Russia, could do. Like, those were her skills. And so, again, chop that stuff up and reorganize it. But then, to your point, um, it needs to go into a clear job description. I, I completely agree with that. And I was, I was, I hope it was clear what I was saying. First, start with like, what do yeah, we need to happen, the and then take that into that description. But you, yeah. you're right. You need to get in that job description. Yes. All okay. Right. Is there anything else? If we could rewind time, the the job description piece of it was was the big piece of it for me. There's one other piece. I think the other piece besides the job, like if I could rewind time, and yeah. maybe the maybe this clinic already did this, but when you're gonna do an internal. I, I have made this mistake very painfully, which is why I'm going to talk about it. When you're going to do an internal promote potential situation, it is very important to have a process and a guidelines for what you're going to do and how you're going to do it and mm -hmm. make that known to everyone involved. The candidates should have expectations for what the process is. How are they going to be evaluated? How are they going to be measured what you're looking for? And that's why that job description is, is so important. But I have made that mistake very painfully and emotionally of we know we need somebody to step into this leadership role, but we're not really clear what we're looking for, we know we want them to be able to have this skill set and this skill set, but beyond that, like it could be really flexible going in the direction of creating the role for the person versus what is the actual role that we want creates challenges in particular when you're internally promoting. And so I think if I could rewind time, I would say make sure that you have a plan and that you're communicating that plan to the candidate so that they know we're going to have initial interviews and this is what we're going to talk about and this is what we're going to look at and then we're going to do you know what whatever comes next are they going to shadow it, you for a day because they're looking at management versus not having man like whatever that looks like what is your process so that they know and then what is the expectation about how you're going to make your decisions yeah. um, and what they can expect in terms of a timeline and a process and all of those things yeah i i have that in my where do we go from here uh steps but your point about laying those expectations down before you get started, uh, that's that I think you're you're absolutely right. I think you're you're absolutely right. And so when we shift into where do we go from here, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back across the that area in um in a very similar way. But it, it all works much better if you set the expectations up front. I really like that. Okay. Anything else for you if you could rewind time? No, I mean I uh, if I could turn back time. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm a share fan as Stephanie Goss knows. I, I may not be as big a share fan as Stephanie Goss likes to believe that I am, <laughs> or I might be a bigger one. Or you Who might knows? be a bigger one. I get I, I might get videos of Andy dancing to share in the supermarket. Oh, uh, like they play. <laughs> He's yeah, got some I, hype music happening, and there, there are videos that happen. I think of you when I'm at when I'm at the. When I'm at the grocery store and I'm in Publix and Cher is on, first of all, the music of Publix is banging. Like I could go just drive around the Publix shopping uh, shopping center and listen to their soundtrack all day. But uh, if I could turn back time, I was on the radio and I sent Stephanie a video of me singing and then using a sausage as a microphone. Uh, and I sent it to her. Anyway. All right. 
so, sidetracked. If I could okay. turn back time, I would. I would. I think I'd be good. I think. I think. Okay. I, I think we got it. All right, cool. So let's talk about where we go from here. Okay. So we've got this thing, and now we come to the actual question <laughs> that we were asked. We've just at, talked for a half the, hour about at the thirty-minute mark. We're in this on and now we come to the question which is what do we do here okay um the the big thing is clear as kind clear as kind mm -hmm. say it be empathetic be kind you know um yes be yes. be empathetic be kind be supportive go slow but most of all be clear yes and honest and just let them know what is happening and let them know why it's happening but yes. you the first thing you need to say is when the decision is made you need to talk to the other candidates first because you don't want them to find it out from somewhere else thank you you yes. need to bring them in and you need to tell them this is the decision that has been made and start with that yep i agree uh, so step one for me was make a plan because everybody has to hear about it at the same time or you're going to open yourself up for gossip and drama in your practice so you can't tell the person who is getting the job and then wait a week to talk to the other people that kind of gap creates drama that you want to avoid at all costs so there has to be a plan and everybody has to hear it to your point clear is kind yep. um but hear it hear it in the same the same timing yep i would um, say oh go ahead no, I was going to say, so in, in that conversation, um, clear as kind, you always say, give people space to be human. I, and I always like that phrase a lot. There's probably going to be tears and there's probably going to be people who are very upset and I want to be supported. Of course there is, because it's funny, even people who didn't really want it that much when they yes. hear that they didn't get it, it hits like a hammer, like yes. it hits you in the chest and it's, it's hard. It's really hard. And so just recognize and expect that that's probably what's going to happen um i would not expect a to have a huge conversation with people because if they just got bad news they probably don't want to sit and talk to you a whole lot right um i would so so give them space to be human let them know tell them what was great that they did and what they do um tell them that you want to keep them at the practice and you think there's going to be other opportunities for them and only say it if it's true but there's there's other opportunities and there's ways that we want to continue to work and grow with you and tell them that if and when they're ready, if they would like to review the application and talk about what they did well and where they could uh, grow for a leadership role, that you are open to doing that. And I would just, I would not try to have that feedback conversation at the same time I broke the news to them. Um, I would be ready to have it, but I would try not to have it. I would try to tell them that uh, clear as kind, tell them what happened, give them some time to process it, tell them that they had plenty of strengths, let them know that you want them to continue to stay and that you think that they can continue to develop in your practice and you want to try to make that happen. And then tell them that when they're ready, you can go through the evaluation and the interview process and you'd be happy to give them feedback on their interview. And then I would be done. Okay. I, I agree with I agree with that I think um I think it's funny it's like you and I have worked together for <laughs> six years at this point because my next step was <laughs> my next step was do it face to face and let them be human because <laughs> here's the thing like you're you're not wrong like there are there are going to be emotions and there have been times where to your point I fell in love with an idea and when I step back like I wasn't actually in love with the idea but I still was massively disappointed when the thing didn't come to sure. fruition and with hindsight was able to see, oh, okay, like I didn't actually want this anyways. I just fell in love with the idea. But in the moment there was frustration and tears and disappointment and like give them the space to be human. And I think as a manager, the other piece that I will tack on to that is when people are being human, you need to be able to control your emotions because it is very easy in this conversation as a leader to um, over empathize. And if I am one of those people where I am a reactionary puker, but I'm also a reactionary crier. <laughs> and so if someone starts crying, I have to like actively work to not 
it is a physical response yeah. and I have to actively work to overcome that. And so if you are someone who tends to get sucked into emotions and or if you are a leader and you're in the position of telling somebody that you have a friendship with or a closer relationship with that they didn't get the job, like you are going to have to work extra hard to be human, but not too human because it can be really yep. easy to fall into the commiseration trap and like over empathize and say things or do things that you might not want to say. Sure. Yeah. And I think related to that too, I, I think you should be upfront about the decision um, as you know, there's a people who try to soften the blow and so they dance all around it. Yes. It's like, no, just, nope. just say it. Just rip tell the them. <laughs> yeah. Just rip the bandaid off and just Kindly. tell them. Kindly. Yeah. You know, but clear, clear and clear is kind. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Empathetic and kindly, too. I mean, you can do both of those things. You can be upfront and clear and kind about about what the decision was. No, I think that's true. You know, it it, it is funny to your point. um, You know, I have I have literally told people uh, you did not want this job. Like this was not like you would you would not. I know you applied for this. I believe you would actually told me that. (laughs) Yeah, I think I told you. It's not. I've done it more than once. And again, you have to be careful with that, too, because I'm not trying to be condescending and say, you know, I I know better than you. But in another way, um, there sometimes there are people and you say you are a you know, you are a beautiful dolphin you don't want this job that involves climbing trees like you you, you don't want right. it it's, you're not yeah. going to like it you're not going to be good at it like you ha- but you have such a beautiful wonderful set of skills i, I don't you know i i really i don't it's not a personal thing it's not a self-worth thing it's a it's a, you don't this is not a good fit for you i i don't think um so that go, like i love your point about keeping it short there are some people who are self-aware and could have the step two of that conversation in the context of the same conversation, right? Like there are some people who would be like, okay, I'm bummed, but you might have somebody on your team who then would say, can you tell me what I could have done differently or ask yeah. for the feedback, right? There are people who are self-aware. So being prepared to have that conversation is, is is really important. And I would prep for that ahead of the conversation so that if it does go there, great. Um, but also recognizing people need to be human and sometimes people need to process. And so for me, the I... I love this piece of it. And I think it's so important because developmentally, we want to talk to them about why we considered them in the first place. And that's your point Mm -hmm. about the dolphin. Like, what are those things that made them stand out? Why did you consider them? What is the positive? Right. What are the things that they're great at? What are their skill sets? And then what are the areas of opportunity for them for growth? It has nothing to do with your not doing this well or you're not doing it right sometimes it's you haven't had any experience with um with supervisory positions before and one of the other candidates on the team did and so we need somebody who has some supervisory capacity and so while i think you could do great in this role right now that was the edge and so then it becomes a developmental conversation about Here's a piece that was needed. Here are things you could do to gain experience in that area without stepping into this role. And then it becomes about what they can do to grow and develop themselves. And I think your part about asking a dolphin to like, they didn't really want a job that involved climbing trees because don't ask a dolphin to climb a tree. Right. I would, I want to ask them what they want and why they wanted it. Tell me why you thought you wanted that job because ultimately they may not be disappointed. The reason for their disappointment or sadness or frustration or anger at not getting the job might have nothing to do with the job itself. It may be they wanted the job because it came with a pay increase and that they're in a situation where they need to increase their pay or they might have to leave the practice. That's a completely different conversation developmentally than you didn't get this job. If I know that as a manager, I might still be able to help in that situation. And so part two for me is what what did they what do they want and why did they want it? Because the developmental plan is going to be most successful when it's coming from them. And so if they tell me they want to be a leader or they tell me they want to be in a position that has different hours because their their current schedule is a big conflict for picking their kid up at daycare. Okay, that that's a completely different conversation than the conversation about 
they're disappointed because they desperately wanted this specific job for these specific reasons. Right. And I think being prepared to have that conversation and evolve it into who are they as a person? What do they do really well? Where are the opportunities for them to continue to grow? And what does a plan for them to move forward look like for you? And I love that you said, let them know what the future potential is. You want to make sure you're not setting a developmental plan that has false hope or false promises, right? So it's like, hey, look, there are opportunities for you and let's work on these things. But be very careful to, I've watched managers make this mistake where it's, oh, the next time we have a promotion, like you're next in line. Don't say that. Yeah, don't say that. Because things yeah. could change, <laughs> you know? Yep. And so yeah. finding out what th- they want th- and how they want, why they want it. Well, I know why people say that, right? They're trying to cushion the blow yes. and they're like, oh, you put your absolutely. Up next. And then and then the world changes yes. and, you know, and then you are going to regret having said that. And so those are. Yeah, that's exactly the stuff that I that I have that I have learned. Um, you know, the other reason I think that that these conversations can be so hard and this is kind of a little bit of a paradigm shift. But like, I think a lot of people really want these jobs, even though when you actually get into what is the job, they're like, I don't want to do any of that. <laughs> But it, but it's because the it's because there's such limited upward mobility in so many parts of the practice where right. there's a lot of people who believe and in a lot of practices it's true that um, the only step upward as far as development responsibility compensation it's for the CSR is the lead CSR yeah. job yeah. and you say but you would hate it and they would say. But it's the only developmental opportunity, no. pay bump, you yep. know, uh, chance to do something different that I am going to have here. Yeah. And if I don't get it and someone else gets it, then the clock I'm on screwed. me being able to do something different to make that any sort yeah. of an upward move just resets. And and I think that that's really sad. And so which is it goes all the way back around to sort of my beginning statement when I just said, you know, just as because this is the way we've always done in the past doesn't mean it's the way we have to do it now. Yes. I, I really am a big fan of trying to figure out lots of different developmental opportunities. Maybe they're smaller, yes. but they're more spread out so more people can get them. Um, I I think as a profession, we need to continue to work to not put such a hard ceiling on the opportunities for development for people that so when there's one job that's a bad fit for them opens up, they feel like they desperately need to get it. And I go, that's not, that's not good. So anyway. Yeah, no, I I love that you said that. That is a huge uh, passion soapbox for me, like the ability to create outward opportunity and not just upward opportunity is is so important and I think that it's a trick we miss and to your point there if you really step back and think about it there are probably at least a dozen if not 100 different things in your practice that could be areas of opportunity of ownership for someone it doesn't yeah. have to be about a title it doesn't have to be about positional power for most people, development is about ownership and about growth. And there are endless opportunities for that. And it is something that we over overlook. And so I I love I love that you brought that up. Yeah. Well, cool. So let's talk real quick about about we've made this selection. Let's talk about setting the person we selected up for success. Can we do that? Okay. Yep. So let's I just got it. I've just got three quick ones. Okay. Because I do think this is important. I have seen a number of times people make a promotion like this or make a hire like this. And they're like, great, you're the one. Good luck. Right. By the way, <laughs> go, go there's a couple of really angry people you're going to be working with. Um, right. Now you get luck. to supervise. I, I wouldn't leave my lunch unsupervised. <laughs> you know, like they say something like that and then they let, them, they let them go. And I go, that's terrible. So you picked your person. You know, you should do the things that we... Obviously, you should do the things that we recommended uh, as far as breaking the news to other people. Uh, after, after that, make sure you have a good onboarding program to get this person up to being the person that you imagined them being. Yeah. Right? Remember, when we imagined what a fully functional person in this role, well-supported, well-trained looks like, what was that? And then what are the steps we need to take to get them to that place? And that's your training program. That's your onboarding program. So make sure that you've got an intentional way of getting this person up and going. Because one thing that you don't want is to have a couple people in your organization all go for a job and one person gets it and then they struggle in that role. Yep. Because that opens the door up to criticism. Yes. I told you so. Yes. Why did that person get it and I didn't get it? 
You want them to hit the ground running and start to make some strides and you want them to get wins under their belt very quickly Yes, because that will put this often that will put this issue behind you. And so make sure that you have a plan to onboard them and to get them some wins under their belt. So that's that's the that's the first part for me show full support of this person. So it sounds like with our mailbag writer, there were a number of different stakeholders in the decision who all sort of came together about who they were going to choose. There is no mixed uh, decisions anymore. Once that decision is made, all the stakeholders need to get on board and get united and get behind this person and support this person in that role. Um, we it can't I, be behind the scenes. Well, I didn't agree with it, but we made exactly. a decision anyways. Yep. That can't, that I've seen that. I know you've seen that. Yep. You're it just cannot happen. Them. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. It's just, you're just, you're making this worse and it will fester and like, nope, everybody needs to come together behind this person as they pick up some wins. And then the last thing is you need to own your role in any tension. And so if there's some resentment, if there's tension, do not put it on the new person that you elevated to figure it out. You were there, you ran the interviews, you did these things. You need to own the fact that you may have had a role in creating any sort of tension or competitiveness, and you need to take a lot of responsibility in resolving that and getting things back to normal. It's just amazing how many times I've seen people be like, well, that was messy. Well, we made the decision. Let's Good see luck. how he does. And then they <laughs> wash their hands, and I'm like, that's not okay. Like, And again, I, this is this is all about at this point this is all about stabilizing the ship now and making everybody just accept what has happened and and understand that there's no going back and this is not a wishy-washy decision that might change nope we're in this this is yep. where we're going you know and the people who were involved in running the process need to own any tension that comes from it and try to protect the new person from having to deal with that tension because again the thing that will make this most in the rearview mirror is that person having success and starting to move forward and move the practice forward. Yeah, I love it. Oh man, this was fun. <laughs> this was a good one. This was super fun. Um, I think that's. I think that's it. You got anything else? I uh, know. That's that's all I brought. Oh man, uh, I hope uh, I hope this was helpful, maybe to our mailbag writer or to some of you facing uh, this this kind of decision have a great week everybody (laughs) have a great week everybody (laughs) i was like is there anything else have a great week take care of yourself gang all right see everybody bye and that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast as always thank you for spending some time out of your week with us we really enjoy spending our time with you and before we go i just want to say a very big bottom of the hearts thank you to some of our industry partners who help make our uncharted events possible in specific we are heading into our april uncharted conference can't wait to be together in greenville and we have some very special anchor club sponsors that I want to take a quick second to say thank you to. To our friends at Nutrimax, Nationwide, Care Credit, Chewy Health, and Hills Pet Nutrition, thank you so much for being Anchor Club sponsors in 2023 and help making our April conference one of the best. Can't wait to see everybody in Greenville. Take care, everybody. See you next week. 